at first I thought I only had one non-lethal move um, on my fighter called Hilt um, Hit or whatever, but I found out that you can turn non-lethal damage on. It only works with uh, physical melee attacks and possibly arrow attacks, but that's something that you'll want to know if you want to try to do like a pacifist, good guy, um, leave people alive playthrough so that you, you can still fight people but um, you won't leave them dead and they can come back and continue to be in the storyline. Um, whereas uh, I didn't know about that and I accidentally murdered half of the tiefling camp, you know, just trying yeah. to escape um, with... Game begin. Hey, Mystery Pony Fiction here. It's time for episode 6 of the Mystery Gaming Bros podcast. It is the 1st of January 2024 here down under, but for my co-host from America, it is still 2023. So I'd like to formally apologise as a representative of the convict colony of Australia for not warning them that 9-11 was going to happen. Do you guys forgive us? I don't know if As that's the Shakespeare is calling from the future. Tomorrow will be soon. <laughs> and I suppose this will be cash flow calling from the past. Just remember, you don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. That's what she said. Hey. hey. Yeah, they always say that. All okay. right. Okay. What are we talking what do we have first on the agenda? Uh, first on the agenda is Baldur's Gate 3, you know, where we stopped off Amazing. last time. Love it. Yeah, it's, it is possibly one of the best games I've ever played. Um, not necessarily the most um, one that it's going to have the most hours in because, um, well, you know, some games are just more addictive in general. Like I've been playing Brotato. I've got more hours on Brotato now than I ended up getting on Baldur's Gate 3. But I do intend to have a second playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3. I'm just uh, waiting till it feels a bit more fresh again. Like I, I tried to do a second playthrough immediately after my first. And I didn't even finish my first. I've still got like half of chapter th of Act 3 left. But I just kind of got an itch for wanting to start a new party and stuff. And uh, new classes. And it did start to get a little bit dull in the second... Um, part of act three but mainly because other games were distracting me and uh yeah i just um sort of lost the fire on it a bit lost the enthusiasm but i definitely need to get back to finishing that act three um see how it actually ends see how my uh decisions that i made during the story actually played out because apparently you know there's all kinds of different endings depending on who's still alive and all that sort of stuff, because obviously... Well, as, and as I understand it, um, I think that is how you're going to rack up a lot of hours, because like you could you could speed run one particular playthrough in less than 30 hours. Um, but you wouldn't and, want to. You want to, you, you want to take your time and... and because... well, I mean, that, well, that's the point. But like if you just, I'm just saying, like, if you just drill down on the mainline quests, you don't do any of the side quests. You know, if you were, if you were intentionally speedrunning it, then yeah, you could do that. But the point is that even if you were doing that, you could still get a ton of hours in the game just by doing it with each race, each class. There's a lot of different ways to come at it, and all of them are going to give you a different experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure yet uh, 
like you, you can you can end up having all the all of the main cast that you know hang around in your camp die if you or, or leave if you want them to and then i i kind of wonder how the story would be without any actual of the um main voiced npcs i think that'd be interesting to see um because i because um i i played as i did my playthrough as lazelle the uh gith yankee woman um and they've definitely like i definitely don't get much of her backstory as her being the main protagonist because you know she's just silent and i just choose her dialogue options and her dialogue options you know can be gith yankee and fighter for you know what race and class she is and i imagine that's how it would be for i think you said shakes that you started as just a human that you a custom human that you made yourself yeah, so I made a human bard uh, for the memes. Um, yes. I did, well, I, first of all, I did, I did human just to, to get a baseline for the game uh, mm -hmm. before I started doing anything fancy. And then I played as a bard because I always like to play as a bard, just, again, for the memes. But <clears throat> the nice thing, too, about that is that when I was doing the... Uh, I'm still... Because I'm still in Chapter 1. I haven't even rescued the druid mm -hmm. uh, from the first settlement you reach. Um but well, that, that, that depends on which direction you go. I, I reached the uh, tiefling settlement first. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the, that's the first settlement that I reached where they had the... Uh, well, they were, they, I don't know if it was the tiefling settlement, but it was supposed to be the druid settlement, and they were going to close it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the, I, the druid I, settlement's I, I, next to the tiefling settlement. <clears throat> All right. So, like, without get, I'm not trying to get too spoiler, but at, but at some point a character is missing, and you have to go try and find them, and then as you go to find that character... Um, you find one of the other uh, playable bards. I believe they're one of the other playable bards uh, because you can send them back to your camp. Um, <clears throat> and the interesting thing was that there's a lot of times when you'll be playing the game and you'll have a, a dialogue option that comes up based on your class. So as a bard, I was able to have basically a rap battle with the other bard. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. And like, if I was playing any other class, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's other, there's all these options for all these other classes. So like, it, it really it encourages you to play through the entire game, even if you could play the whole game in 30 hours. Yeah. Then you have what eight classes. Yeah. So even if you speed run as all the other classes, then you're still looking at like over 240 hours. Yeah. Like for example, you know, you know like I have a lot of um uh, unique things that happen because I'm a fighter. You know, um, you know, whether it be like uh, t teaching someone how to fight properly or giving people fighter tips and stuff like that. Um, there's definitely like a lot of dialogue that they put in or, or um, dialogue options that are all, you know, different depending on your race and class and yeah, all kinds of things like that. And uh, what, what I'm interested in possibly doing next time is doing a purely evil playthrough, possibly genocidal playthrough. And uh, I think that's actually a viable way for the story to go. And that would be really interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, oh, I've always one, just seen what you... Yeah, sorry, one, one thing, yeah. I just wanted to give you guys a tip, which I didn't know, which I kind of, which kind of sucked for me. And that's that you are able to go into your inventory and uh, turn or... Or it's in your um, toolbars as well. There's an option to turn um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, non-lethal damage on. Um, at first, I thought I only had one non-lethal move um, 
on my fighter called Hilt um, Hit or whatever. But I found out that you can turn non-lethal damage on. It only works with uh, physical melee attacks and possibly arrow attacks. But that's something that you'll want to know if you want to try to do like a pacifist, good guy, um, leave people alive playthrough so that you, you can still fight people, but um, you won't leave them dead and they can come back and continue to be in the storyline. Um, whereas uh, I didn't know about that and I accidentally murdered half of the tiefling camp, you know, just trying yeah. to escape um, with... Yeah, there's, there's someone that you can rescue from there if that if you choose to. And I was trying to be a nice guy and rescue someone that they were keeping in their prison there. And um, I unfortunately had to murder half the tieflings on the way out. But if I knew about the non-lethal damage toggle, then I might have been able to <laughs> yeah get through that situation a bit more peacefully. See, now I've run into a similar situation. Well... It's not that similar, but like when I'm trying to rescue the druid from the goblin camp, I think the problem is that I've I've went I've gone there at too early a level because, um, and I've looked at guides online, and it really seems like there's no way to get out of it without having a fight. Because I was able to talk my way through, like lie mm. and persuade and whatever as a bard with like a, a 19 charisma, I was able to do all that. <clears throat> And get to the prisoner, and then the druid is disguised as a bear. But then, at that point, a fight starts no matter what. And I can either have the bear as an ally or as a third combatant party. And it becomes like a, a three-way battle. And the bear may or may not end up attacking me in that case. But what I really wanted to try to get through the game with as little combat as possible. That's just That's just my personal challenge, because as a mm. bard... You know, my, my, my tactics is my words. I want to be able to lie and persuade my way out of these situations. Even though I've got, you know, a, a fighter and uh, and the yep. lizard lady. I've got the protector and the lizard lady. Gith Yankee lady. I, I, yeah, I, and I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played the game long enough to get familiar enough with them. But <clears throat> So who's the but, other character yeah, you have other than the Gith Yankee the, woman? The, the, your, your protector that you start the game with. Uh, the protector... Um... The the cleric chick, Shadowheart. Yeah, Shadowheart. Right. Yeah. Ah. Yep. Yep. So you, I, you I haven't you haven't met the uh, fire lady or the um or uh the warlock. No. The warlock no. with the rapier. Okay. Okay. I know for uh, for us, me and my buddy, we're going through a playthrough right now, and we just got last night the uh, necromancer, and there was somebody else. Let me double check the text. And I'm knocking out just before we got him. Yeah. But <clears throat> there's two people. Another oh, I thing, yeah. I set off a mad trap in the uh in the uh, sarcophagus quarters. That 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 was not good. I it yeah, let's just say it didn't end well. Oh yeah, by the way, have you guys got gone through the crypt and gotten that ability to change your class and stuff? No. Okay. No, yeah. Yeah, there's a side quest to the right of the uh Gith Yankee. Sorry, I meant, no, I meant, oh, tiefling camp um, that will unlock the ability to change the race and class of any of your characters. Uh, maybe just class, but yeah, um, it allows you to, if you don't want your uh, Gith Yankee woman to be a fighter, you can make her whatever you want. Um, I, I made her a ranger for my second playthrough instead of a fighter. And so that's something you just might want to know if, you know, 
you want to maybe play with different classes. Um, and also, you notice how on the, you know, the start screen, you can pick those different origin characters, um, you know, and they've each got their own specific stories. Yep. Um, and you, you can find them and have them join your party, all those origin characters at the start. But there's one called the Dark Urge, which is only yes. playable as the main protagonist. You can only play as him if you choose him as your main character. And um, what's really cool about him, because I, I've only played like a little bit of him on, on my attempt at a second playthrough, um, but what's really cool about him is that he has a very original story that is designed around being the main character. Um, <clears throat> like it would be hard to say much without spoiling stuff, but there are things like the Dark Urge is literally this. Well, no, um, I, from what I've heard, and this is just from the general um, advertising of the game, is that the yeah. Dark Urge is supposed to be like this voice in your head telling you to do horrible things all yeah. the time yeah exactly you decide whether or not to go along with it or to resist it yeah it might be like a hard mode because it, it highly encourages you to be evil um and i started off a playthrough with him trying to be good but constantly having bad things happen you know like he blacks out and bad things happen and i, I try to keep you know keep being good but i might try try embracing the dark side in this playthrough and sort of <laughs> let it letting it go where it goes but yeah, he might be a sort of hard mode character kind of thing where, yeah, things just keep going to shit for him. Well, I don't know for sure if that is if it's a hard mode or not. I mean, it's definitely a different mode. Mm. But I, I, it seems to be make make uh, yeah, him him as the main character is probably a really good way to play it because it's a lot more original to any of the other characters. Because with the other characters, you're kind of just living. Um, a silent version of of their actual storylines if they join as NPCs, you know, the controllable NPCs. Yeah. Because I, I've gotten a very different perspective as, of Lazel, the uh, Githyanki woman, with her mm -hmm. as a party member rather than when I first played her as the main character because, you know, she was, like, silent and the only insight I got into her personality was through... <clears throat> the um, dialogue option that I could choose if I wanted to, but I often didn't because I didn't want her to be an evil bitch. <laughs> like her actual personality is that she's a bit of an evil bitch, but uh, when I was playing as her, I tried to, you know, choose the good, nice dialogue options. Uh, oh, I see. Now, when, now, as playing with her as a companion, like I constantly have her being like, Oh, we should just, you know, kill the weak and all this other stuff. And yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't tolerate this crap. And I'm just like, all I can think to myself is I can fix her. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Makes and, the best like, of I've, us. I've always spent like, I've only spent a few <clears throat> hours with her and I'm just like, I can fix her. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just so fascinating. The amount of different uh, directions that the game can go. Like I have, no, like I, I know of several times where if I had have made a different choice, there would have been entire casts of characters that I would have never met or had to kill and not meet, <laughs> not actually have any dialogue with. Um, like a, there's this particular part in Act 2 where there's literally a decision where you either have a new town settlement to explore and, um, you know, uh, shop in, or you have to kill them all. 
<laughs> like that. So know, one of the one of the one of the uh, criticisms I have of this game is the auto save function, which does not happen frequently enough. And then I, I next time I go in there and, and play, I'm going to check in the settings to see if there's a way of making that happen more frequently. Because something that happened with me was that, like, like I said, with the Goblin Camp fight that I ran into, I, the first time I went in there, I, I talked my way past everyone. I got to the bear. I found out a fight's going to start no matter what. And <clears throat> even though I had my, my cleric and my fighter with me, and I could do pretty good uh, support with, like, you know, my healing spells and, you know, my buffs to those two as fighters, we were not ready for that fight. And we got... We got our asses thoroughly handed to us. Yeah. So I went to, and everyone died. I'm like, oh, do I start a new game or do I load? Obviously, I, I reload my last save. My last save was like over an hour earlier. Mm, that sucks. Yeah, I, that I've sucks. gotten I've gotten very used to manually just saving before just pretty much even any um, uh, dialogue encounter. Um, yeah. And, and I'm a bit of a save scummer for the dialogue parts. Where no, is and, I, and I totally would be too. So like, I just yeah. need to have that quick save function like mapped to like my primary mouse button. Yeah. Um, like one, so, one... Here's, here's the real kicker though. I, so after that happened, I'm like, oh man, all right, now I know better. Now I'm going to save before I get there to see if there's something else I could do. I get there and I'm so lost in the moment. I go through the entire motions again. The fight starts again, even though I tried to do things differently and I get killed and I'm like, I didn't save. So like, yeah. I went back again another hour and then I'm just like, all right, I'm just not going to go into that camp. Just like that druid can just stay captive. I'm going to come back when I've got like a few more levels into my belt and then yeah. I'll save and do it. And that, that, was, that was the point where I had to put the game down and just take a breather because yeah. I realized I was approaching it the wrong way. Yeah, maybe go do the crypt first and unlock the uh, guy that lets you change your class. Like whether you want to or not, that'll get you some more experience. Yeah, and, and that's just it. Like I... My criticism is that the the quick save, well, the 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 auto save function doesn't happen frequently enough. Hopefully, that's something that you can adjust. If, if I mean, if it is, maybe I just haven't found it yet. But uh, the the upside, the upshot to this is that it does does point out to me that it's not a linear path. You can you can go do something else, something yeah. that you're better equipped for, that you, your class might be more suited for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just it. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna be the hero who does everything right away it's you got to kind of pick and choose yeah yeah i'm not sure how how the level scaling's done or whether it's done at all like maybe there really are just some parts that are you know harder than others higher level than others maybe, maybe there's like no level scaling done at all and enemies are well, whatever like, level they are even even the uh, the online guides say that uh, like if you have this combat encounter in the middle of the goblin camp the the just the sheer number of enemies that you're going to have to slog through you're, you're going to burn through your healing potion resources yeah. and all of your healing spells and it, it, it functions just like D where you've got spell slots and you're going to exhaust them until you take a long rest which yeah. you can't do in the middle of a hostile environment yeah have you had many like really close calls that felt really thrilling in combat or oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There were times when I'm just like, we, we barely... There, okay, so I had my two fight. The, the second fight, even though we all died anyway, there was a point in time where... Um, <clears throat> okay, so the first time I attacked the goblins to defend the bear, 
and the bear became my ally in the fight, and that did pretty well. The second time, I didn't attack the goblins because I was hoping they were just going to fight amongst themselves and we could just escape. But what ended up happening was the combat started anyway. We were involved in the combat. And now, instead of having the bear as an ally, the bear was a third team in this big melee. Um, yeah. But what ended up happening was that my two fighters, they kept going down, and I was able to resuscitate them and pick them back up. And they were able to get a couple, uh, two hits in, or they were able to get a hit in at least before they went back down again. I just kept resing them, and we were chewing through enemies. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, holy shit, yes, now we're going to get rid of all the goblins. And it, this all just came down to where we happened to be standing in the room and sheer luck at that point. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, okay, good, we can eliminate all the goblins, and then I can initiate dialogue with the bear. And be like, because I had, I had animal speak as a, as, a, as a power, and I was going to use that. <laughs> so we managed to kill all the goblins. And because for whatever reason they were they were focused more on the bear than on us this particular battle because it was random it was different um, we eliminated all the goblins and then I'm just like all right now I'm gonna initiate dialogue with the bear and the bear killed us oh, okay start out as allies yeah I think I but started off as an ally with the bear because I like spoke to him in his cage um, before fighting started or something yeah. like that so, yeah. But the fact that we were able to get through all the goblins, and that was just in that one room, because I know that once we got out of the room, the rest of the uh, goblin camp was going to turn into a combat encounter as well. Yeah. And it's probably possible to stay allies with the goblins, like, you know, for the rest of the game, I think, because, uh, you know, if you make certain choices, possibly more evil ones, you can keep the uh, goblins as allies. Well, what happened was the, the second time I got to the cage um, and I initially, the the, 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 go, the um, conversation started with the goblins who were throwing the rocks. Um, what had happened was um, they were, we, we had, the, the, I had the option of saying, hey, stop throwing the rocks at them or leave them be, which I thought was just back out of the dialogue option and then I could reinitiate it. But if you back out of it, the bear breaks out of the cage anyway. Like he oh, just yeah. chooses that moment when you happen to be standing there. So I... I realized I hadn't I hadn't saved the game, and now I was gonna now I was past the point of no return where combat was inevitable, and and then I realized I had to just load the old save and, and I had to redo an hour of work and that, that that like I said that was when I had to like walk away from the game for a bit because I was yeah. frustrated with what had happened. Yeah, um, Cash, uh, I think we should give you a chance to speak for a bit. Well, I just literally started playing the game up. Uh... <clears throat> yesterday so i haven't gotten too far in we did get a uh what was her name the uh we got the necromancer as well as lazia lazel is the Gith Yankee woman. um yes and the we actually did actually we lost one of our encounters yesterday it was uh basically we had allowed one person to live and she she told i don't know how many other uh enemies to join the fight and they basically whittled us down so that was something that uh, that was something that we had just experienced yesterday. It was I forgot which way we went exactly, but it was someone that was planning on raiding the ship that had gone down in the first uh, in the first act. Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there was yeah, a, there was one you know, person. There was a guy dying on the ground who was also infected, and there was the other two people there who were like, "We're looking for survivors from the ship crash." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're survivors from the ship crash." Like, "Holy shit, you are! Kill these people!" You know? I'm like, "Well, that's real polite." <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 
So that first encounter we actually had managed to lose somehow. I think it was just, you know, a mix of bad luck as well as low health. We weren't expecting the fight. <clears throat> yeah. And despite the time we got into it, it uh, we managed to, we managed to uh, play it a little better. We used some more of the, um, uh, what's the term, throwables that we had. We had a bit, you used a bit more of our spells and it worked out pretty well. <clears throat> Yeah, um, yeah, I mean the, the game has the game has a pretty decent tutorial as far as like knowing how to use the user interface, and I'll give that credit. But I, as I, the more I look at my inventory, the more I realize I am just completely underutilizing so much stuff. Like there's oh, throwables yeah. and there's other potions. Like I, I, I just learned to like go into like to right click on my weapons and dip. I'm like, dip what? Oh, oh dip yeah. it into poison, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah the, don't the worry. Um, I, I the game doesn't tell you that much. Yeah, I haven't used that much, that <clears throat> stuff much either. Um, I think that's more stuff you have to go into if you go to the highest difficulty level. You know, then you've really got to start um, utilizing every every possible resource you can. Whereas this, you know, the normal difficulty is is fairly forgiving in you not um, engaging with every system in the game. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I want to, I don't want to feel like I have to. Like, like yeah. I remember, like, when I was playing in The Witcher, you could, if you if you knew what you were doing, the fights were easy. But if you didn't know what you were doing, the fights were still winnable, but you were going to have a rough time of it, you know? Whereas, yeah. I, and I, I don't want to be, I don't, and yes, obviously, I, I know on, like, on, like, nightmare difficulty settings, like, those are the ones where it's, like, you have to know what you're doing and you have to do it perfectly or else you're going to die. Like, oh, do I understand. You? That's why. That, no, I'm, I'm just saying that's uh, why that difficulty setting exists. Yeah, you know, I'm just yeah. playing a normal mode. Yeah, you know, I want to have I want to have the out of the box intended experience from the developers first time yeah. through. Now, I I always do that with any game before I mess with the difficulty settings or or anything else or if, or before I do any kind of modifying. Um, the first time I played Skyrim, it was unmodified, and I was like, "Wow, this needs to be modified." <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, um, it, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of times in the game where it got extremely close and I was like absolutely ecstatic that I survived. Like the, in the crypt, you know, one of the first major battles I had, I literally had to revive each of my party members three times with one HP while keeping, you know, my last guy with decent HP in the corner. Um, and I managed to win that fight by the skin of my teeth. It was like, you know, everyone was, you know, down and unconscious and I only had one guy left to make one last attack against an enemy and managed to win. Um, and there was also this boss in Act 2 that I literally was down to just my wizard left alive. Um, and he had all his spells used up, but I managed to kill the boss with one final fire cantrip. It was like down to the wire like that. And that was like, yeah. whoa, that felt really satisfying. It, it, it is good you know, to, to strike that balance where you can be riding that edge and feel like you've just barely won. And it gives it that, that sense of thrill. Um, but like, I, that's not something that I would want to be experiencing all the time. That would be too stressful for me. Yeah, yeah, it you would know? be. Yeah, not, not every fight was that close. Um, and, and you, um, okay, uh, not to make uh, to try not to go into spoilers but i made some decisions that gave my characters extra powers 
And uh, I kind of regret that now because now my party is just absolutely d demolishing everything easily. And um, that's probably one of the reasons why the game got a bit boring because I, I would go into an encounter and I wouldn't even have to think anymore. <laughs> my, because, yeah, my characters had all these extra powers that were more powerful than their actual, you know, native abilities. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that kind of... Uh, made the game get a bit boring for me once it got too easy. Um, but, you know, you can always make the decision because the game presents it to you as this choice of like, do you want this extra power? And you're like, you know, and there's certain consequences, whether morally or, you know, um, you know, stuff like that, that you gotta, that you gotta um, decide on. And I, I kind oh, I of wish you. I didn't take the extra power now. <laughs> well, now, like, I'm, I kind of anticipate that as like as sort of like a meta gamer where I kind of figure that the game is going to you know get easier get easier as you get better equipment and with more experience playing through the game, which is why I've sort of tried to handicap myself with trying to avoid combat because mm -hmm. combat is an easy way to gain experience, but I'd rather you know get it through being able to like I said avoid combat. Yeah, I, I think plus, you can get like equivalent um experience by avoiding fights. Like they, they give you experience that is fairly um equivalent if you choose that way. Yeah, but just like I, I, I enjoy the experience of uh just interacting with the characters because like even the goblins, when you're talking to them, some of them are freaking funny. Mm. You know? And you don't get to experience that if you just, you know, go in guns blazing. Yeah. And oh. anything else you want to I say, Cash? Mm, not currently. Not currently. Yeah. I still haven't played I, it. I haven't played too too much of it, mm -hmm. so I feel like my input isn't quite as. I'll uh, certainly, I'll certainly have more to say about it. Like once I've had more time to play it, he and yeah. I uh, both. Right. Of us. <clears throat> uh, so we'll we'll save that for the next show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should uh, move on because we're probably at about half an hour so far. Yeah. So um, next we can go into the finals that we've been playing recently, me and Shakes. So I'm not sure if you have cash. We did. We did. So far, like it. Really fun game. We managed to get the, um, what was that one achievement? Win three in a row? Win three in a row, which I never thought I was just ever going to get because of how the game had been going up to that point. Uh, but they've done a lot of, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the really interesting bit of the finals is everything that happened behind the scenes. Like all the stuff that's happening with the devs. Like I'm in, I'm in the the finals uh, Discord server. Hey, just sorry, seeing... sorry. Just um, Cash, did you want to like bring up like a trailer of the finals, um, but have audio off, just for so that people that are watching the video have something to watch. Oh yeah, there we go. But uh, yeah, the 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 drama of everything that's been happening with the developers, uh, has been great because, the like despite how how toxic the community could have been they've always been really good at being like hey we're gonna listen to the feedback and we're gonna you know make the game balance because you know, a lot of the problem was that you'd have uh players of disparately different levels of skill getting matched up in these games where you know one team would just be getting stopped consistently <laughs> and so there was a big call for you know skill-based matchmaking to be employed and i think that they did a good job of Fixing that up, um, also cleaning up all of the people who are hacking from China. 
which was very irritating. Like it was very obvious. You could tell it was very obvious when when there was like you know um, aimbots, wall hacks, and and a lot of that happening. But you know they they've really done a good job of eliminating all of that. So it's a yeah much better fair and balanced game now. There, there was this sure. one time when it, when I was um yeah I, I was playing on my own like without you guys and with voice chat off, and I was here yeah, trying mm-hmm. to play and uh, I, I came across this this heavy that was just staring at the ground and firing his rocket launcher at his feet constantly. And I like went up to him and I started trying to heal him and he just kept on doing it. <laughs> and I was like healing him to stop him from killing himself. But then eventually I was like, okay, this guy's clearly not ga- not interested in helping us. So I, <laughs> yeah, I left him. So we were yeah, down, we had a, down a player. It was uh, me and one of my buddies playing, and we we're you know getting randos as our third, and yeah, same situation. We just we tried talking to him, but nobody would ever talk, and the few that few that did usually end up going and doing their own thing. It really is one of those games where communication is is kind of key to to actually winning rounds. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I uh, mean the the way the different the way the, the way the different classes synergize is really good, and you can have a mix of anything. You can have them all heavy, all medium, all light. But if you have a you know, two heavies and a light, or two heavies and a medium. Um, you you can make any combination work, but it's one of those things where, yeah, like you said, combination uh, communication is important, and everyone knowing their role. Like if you're gonna play as a heavy, you're gonna be expected to be doing certain things. You know, yeah. like you you gotta be the one dealing out the damage and being the tank. And if you're the medium, you're gonna be the support. You gotta be the one you know healing, doing the resurrect, doing the resurrecting. Um, yeah, I, I liked being medium because, um, you know, everyone else had a lot more experience in the game than me. So I figured my job was just to keep the good players alive, <laughs> you know, as the medium. And, then, and, then, and that, and that right. in and of itself makes you a good player by knowing your role and doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I've still, I've still only got experience with medium. I, I've probably only got about three and a half hours in the game, so I don't really know much and haven't I – ha- I haven't – gotten the skill to do any of the fancy stuff with like you know barrels or whatever like i see people ca- carrying barrels with them and throwing them i still haven't figured well, that stuff out yet well i mean you have the interact button and you have the pickup mm-hmm. button so like uh, e interacts and f picks things up so well, that, if you're playing a keyboard you could play on a, on a uh, controller i don't know why you would want to if you have mouse aiming available <laughs> to you oh uh, man but i, I have anyways. a fair bit to say about controllers versus mouse um uh, like, uh, what I hate about the controller is that you have to, you know, aim with the joysticks, which I yep. think is an antiquated way of aiming. It like reminds me of GoldenEye and Perfect Dark days. Um, I was literally just about to say that, but yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, um, I don't get why Xbox hasn't put a gyro in their controller. Um, I don't know if PS, um, PS5 has a gyro in their controller, but I kind of consider that I like to use that to aim. You know, like to press the, you know, L2 and then then it activates the gyro and I can move the controller to aim. Um, yeah, so I, I'm turned sure, off. You're going to be doing that all, you'd be doing that all the time because that's how you look around too. Yeah, I've been turned off from playing games, um, you know, first-person shooter games on a controller because of that. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, there's some games like um, Realm Royale and I tried it with Fortnite. Um but I can only play them on the Switch with terrible frame rate and awful graphics because the Switch is the only one that actually has a gyro aim. 
yeah. um, whereas, you know, I can't stand playing um, first person shooters on the Xbox controller. It's just lame having to aim with the joysticks. I just don't get why, um, yeah, Xbox hasn't put <laughs> gyros in. It makes uh, first person shooters. It makes you at well, a huge and, disadvantage. And, and honestly, it's not, it's not a problem until you come into the, the topic of cross-play. So um, yeah. if, if, you, if, you, if you had everyone all playing, like when I was playing Halo back in the day, it was just it was 16 people on four Xboxes all hooked up at a LAN party, and everyone had a controller for aiming. And that's just that was just how we played. And everyone had that same... I would say handicap, but it was a, it was a level playing field. Well, now we have cross-platform. Some people are using controller aim, and other people are using mouse aim, and you can tell the difference. Some people are really freaking good aiming with the controller, and you know, good for them. But for most people, it's a lot easier to aim with a mouse, and that does present a hardware advantage. And that's one of those privileges I'll you know I'll acknowledge as a PC player. <clears throat> mm. Um, but. The, the, the thing, um, the thing I will say though about the finals, it's a fun game. I love it, but it's one of those things you really can't play a lot of in one sitting because it is a high octane, high energy game. That like if after if I've been playing it for more than, I would say an hour, I'm just going to get burnt out. Like it's exhausting to play it because it's it's so fast, yeah. it's so frenetic, yeah, and it requires your <clears throat> complete attention. Yeah, I, I'm probably not going to play much more of it. Um, like, I, I kind of get pissed off with games that have battle passes. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably not very good at it. Um, well, all right, so here's yeah. here's my take on the battle pass, because uh, this is sort of a meta conversation regarding it. I like the way that they're employing the battle pass in the finals thusly. The finals is free. It's free to play for anyone to play it. And the Battle Pass does not offer any explicit advantage to the to the gameplay. Like you, it, all it is is just it's cosmetic items, or it'll give you slightly earlier access to the same weapons that you could get without the Battle Pass, just with by playing with more time. Okay, well, that, just, that sounds reasonable, but it, it still and, makes and me that, feel bad when I go in the game and you know they're like battle, you know, Battle Pass level whatever. If you if you pay the gems, you can unlock these rewards. And uh, it just makes me feel bad. feels like I'm missing out, e even when it's cosmetic. But I do appreciate that they are keeping it that way and that there could be way worse ways for them to do it. Like, Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's absolutely no pay to win in the finals. And that's something I that's respect. Good. It's, it's, it's cosmetics. And, it, and some, of it, some of it is about buying time. Because for some people, like me, you know, I work full-time. And I come home and I can only play for like an hour or so. And some of these kids, you know, they're on winter break. They're playing, you know, 10 hours a day. And they can unlock way more than I could in the amount of time that I have. So I could, what I could do, since I have a full-time job and they don't, I could pay money for the Battle Pass to advance faster. I'm getting the same stuff they're getting. I'm just getting it sooner by paying money for it. And that is how the game monetizes itself. Because you got to remember, the people who made this game, the company that made this game, they need to make money from it. Yeah. And by monetizing the game in this way, they can make it so that everyone can play, but the people who have the money can give the money. Yeah. Um, anything else right. you want to say, Cash? Comes, I was going to say that that actually also helps, you know, keep the game 
you know, I, I'd say that's, I mean, we don't really like it, but at the same time, you know, it does help keep the game in a sense uh, from raising the initial price. We've talked about last time how games realistically should cost around 70 bucks, and we're going to see that more and more coming around. But, I mean, part of the reason, well, it's possible that part of the reason why it hasn't gotten there even yet is because, you know, we've seen more and more uh, microtransactions, I guess you can say, occurring within the game itself. Yeah, Battle Passes, paid DLC. The idea of it is that more people can buy the base game at a lower price, and then the people who have the money can buy the accessories to it. Yeah. Right, right. And I think it's, that's it's the reason why some vehicles for. will have like a, a luxury edition version where you've got like full leather seats with heating and all that other crap thrown into it. And it costs twice as much because there's people who can buy that. Yeah. But the I, idea is that everyone. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good monetization model. I like it. I think it's good. As long, you know, and when, when it comes to a, a PVP game like this, as long as you can't buy um, an advantage in the game, then there's no problem. Um, okay. Um, if there's it, uh, do you just want to say anything more about the game itself? Um, because, uh, when it comes to microtransactions, I think I have a fair bit to say about that when I start talking about Diablo 4 on my agenda, Path of Exile and Diablo 4. There's a lot to talk about those in terms of monetization. So, uh, anything else you just wanted to say about the finals as a game? Um. Uh. No, I mean, the game itself is really fun, and it's free to play, so everyone owes it to themselves to, to check it out and play it yeah. and decide if they want to get the Battle Pass to support the developers because the developers have been really hardworking. They've been very responsive. They've had a great open line of communication with the players, uh, so they, they, deserve, they, they, they deserve to have the game be supported by the players. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, <clears throat> now, the next game on the agenda... Um, I think I like more than the finals, personally. Um, I think it's one that I'm going to want to come back to more. And that's uh, Crab Champions. Uh, it, it kind of reminds me of why I like Brotato so much. You know, it's a roguelike, um, roguelite, where, you know, you, you go through a run and you, you know, choose uh, upgrades and stuff. Uh you know, you open a chest at the end of each round and you choose an upgrade and you try to like stack upgrades if you're trying to go with a certain build. Um, that, that's very much what Brotato is about, except it's single player. But uh, it looks like Crab Champions is a really good implementation of that uh, roguelike um, concept in multiplayer. I've, I've had a lot of fun playing it with you, Shakes. Yeah. Uh, so the great thing about uh, Crab Champions is that, yeah, it, t it takes that Vampire Survivor formula of starting out, you know, with a very starting out low level and then getting, getting more powerful as you go along and then having the difficulty of the enemies increasing as you play as well. Um, but the nice thing about it is that it's multiplayer. You, it, it was play multiplayer up to four people. And they now have it uh, as available with up to six players supported. And it's just good fun because it's it's all there. There is um, a small PvP mini game, but the the bulk of the game is just uh, multiplayer co-op versus the environment, and that just makes it really fun because when hey, like, hey Cash, was... sorry Cash, did you want to switch to some footage of Crab Champions now? Oh, that's probably a good point. In Crab Champions, it's like it's very it's fun because it's silly looking, it's 
it's fun because it's 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 the same kind of uh, fast paced frenetic games. But the nice thing about Crab Champions is that while the gameplay itself, when it's happening, is very fast paced, it can be very stressful. It comes in individual levels. Like you, you might play for three hours, getting to like level sixty, but you can take a break when you finish a level. There's a period. There's a period of rest where you can, you know, uh, change your your um, your upgrades around, do some trading with other players, or just pause the game. Um, <clears throat> if you're playing single player, or if you're if you get a group of people, you say, "Hey, can we just wait a minute? I need to go use the restroom or whatever," and then you can start the next level. And what the heck? Uh, I'm just looking at the video there. I just saw the slug. Like you, you can, you can, can you play the slug. Can you buy the slug? Yeah, that's what I was. Thinking. I guess so. That's that's. I, that was an no, no I, I've never seen that, but well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Have you played Crab I, I Champions at all? I wouldn't put it past them. I I could totally see them doing that, where they would make it so you could play as a slug. I mean, that seems like it'd be a lot of fun. I'm this not game quite has sure so many. This game has so many silly elements to it, um, and there's there's totally busted. Uh, Ways you can have your loadouts end up being where you can do a ridiculous amount of damage and then the, the game becomes trivial. On higher difficulty levels, it can be very hard just to get past the first 10 levels because it's so tough. Um, and yeah, of, in those later of, levels, uh, some of you guys get so many um, mods to your weapons that you're basically just filling the whole screen with like just massive amounts of sparkly colors going everywhere yeah and when and when <laughs> yeah, we first started when we first played the game when it first came out um they definitely turned the game into a slideshow with the amount of stuff that was on the screen uh they've done a lot to optimize it and so it runs a lot smoother now yeah i mean i i think i pretty constantly got you know 50 to 60 frames um i don't think yeah. i had any it, it is a, it is a game it is a game that's in early access but it's it's a fully playable game as it is right now but the developers have been incredibly active again uh just like with the finals developers they've been very uh open with their communication with the player base and... yeah i actually it actually look, feels a bit more like it is like past alpha but they're still calling it alpha no, 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 it's not alpha. It's not alpha. It's not even beta. It's it's early access, which is different. Okay. Um, the finals had an open beta, and then they changed that to being their final release. This is this is considered to be officially in early access. Um, but the nice thing too is that like when you're playing the game in the lobby, they even have the billboard there. It tells you exactly what their roadmap is. They're very transparent yeah. with everything. They, yeah, I had to I had to do some parkour to get up there and have a look. Um, yeah, it, and here's the thing. <laughs> too hard like, to see. You might you might think you might think that there's ways of jumping on the architecture of the level, climbing up these little rock cliff sides and getting to someplace like oh, oh I bet they never thought that I'd make it all the way up here. No, they totally have. There's so many <laughs> things that you can do to try to break the game, and they've already planned for all of it. And they they they're like, yeah, you can definitely do that. That's you're allowed to do it. Go ahead and and go ahead and do it. And it, it invites you to try to cheese the game in all these different ways. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's just tremendously good fun, and it's only seven dollars. So it's only seven dollars until January third, I believe. So you know, or, if, if you don't already ten dollars or ten dollars seventy five if you're in Australia. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Cash? Uh, have you played Super, it? Does it look like something you will want to play? Yeah, we've actually we've played. I think Shakes. Who was it? Shakes Scarlet, and I think it was one more person. Was it? Um, uh, uh, strange fellow. 
Yeah, I think it was it was the first time that I managed to get a level 60 with you guys. I think the first yeah. and only time. But uh, yeah, I think for me, one thing that I really liked, especially because, you know, the the pretty cheap price tag on it, I just had a lot of fun going through it, learning it, and go, essentially having my first uh, experience with this being a very positive one. You know, I mean, I think it was one of those first times that we were able to get it to uh, get to that level 60, funny enough. Yeah, and the thing is, like, the, the game does scale up its difficulty with the number of players. So, like, if you have four players, you're going to have four times as many enemies as you would with just playing single player. They're going to have, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know if they'll necessarily have four times as much health, but it definitely scales up significantly versus when you play single player. And you can notice the difference. But the meta to that is that if you've got more people... You're, you're getting more loot collectively. And the nice thing about it is that you can share it. So if you've got one person with a rocket launcher and you got one person with a minigun, they're going to take vastly different perks for their weapons. Yeah. And so, like, one person's going to open their chest and be like, oh, I got a perk that increases my firing rate. Well, the minigun doesn't need that, but the rocket launcher sure does. So he can give that to the person with the rocket launcher, and now he's shooting rockets a heck of a lot faster. And the rocket launcher is like, oh, I get one more damage per shot. Well, for a rocket... That's not a big increase, but for the minigun, every one of those bullets, that's a lot of DPS increased with that one perk. Yeah. So um, I was wondering, the build- uh, is the does the multiplayer get harder um, to adjust to the amount of players? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, or, or yeah, maybe it, it maybe not because I did try playing it on my own a little bit at first, and I didn't get very far. Like just a well, that's the arms. other thing too is that when you're playing with multiplayer. Um, if you've got it, it, right, right now, it's designed to scale up to four players. Um, it allows for six people to play, but if you have two extra people, that's basically just free firepower. The game doesn't scale up to six players with difficulty yet, although it's expected to soon. Um, yeah. The nice thing about playing with multiplayer, though, is that if you die in a multiplayer round, the game doesn't end unless everyone dies. So at the end of the round, if if at least one person survives and the the wave is finished, then you get resurrected. So it is possible to carry weaker players to get more experience, to to be able to get to higher levels, to get keys, unlock weapons, because you only start out with two weapons. But right now there's a total of 12, plus there's modifiers for your grenades and your melee weapons. Uh, they just had a massive uh, uh, variety update, you know, part one of two. So like I said, it's, it's a game very much in active development. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say, Cash? Not at the moment. Not at the moment. Okay. It's just a good fun. It's just a good fun game. It's a steal at seven dollars, and it's one of those games I'm happy to buy for my friends. Yep. Um, better together. Yep. Um, now uh, the next couple of topics, uh, you guys probably won't have much input in because I'm probably the only one that's played them. Um, but did you want to bring up cash some uh, footage of Brotato? What's up? Yeah, so I've talked about Brotato before. Um, well, Bro- Brotato is just a, it's another one of those vampire survivor likes. Yeah, um, um, but I, I have to tell you, I, I played Vampire Survival, um, and it, it was it was okay. Um, but Brotato has just addicted me to it whole other level like i've got more hours in brotato than i do in Baldur's gate 3. um it's very simple i'm not sure why i like it so much because it, there's only like three different end bosses and uh it, it seems it, it seems on the surface to be very 
very basic and very samey, but um, I've uh, well, let's, let's, managed... Let's operate on the assumption that most of our listeners have played Vampire Survivor because it's pretty much everywhere now. Yeah. What would you say is, is the thing that defines this versus Vampire Survivor? Like, what makes this... What, what's the, what differentiates very, this that makes this like, better? Look, look, at, look at, if you look at the screen now, you can see all these stats, like, very plainly laid out. It can be, like... I'm not very good at math, but I do like to, you know, uh, crunch the numbers in terms of like, you know, stacking up and trying to find the 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 uh, synergies that go together. Um, so like, you know, the the way the way Brotato works is there's a whole cast of characters, and what the character actually is is it's a challenge to okay, you've got to figure out how to get this character with its certain strengths and flaws to win the game. With some characters, it's extremely hard to even pass it on the lowest difficulty. And, um, like, what happens is, uh, you know, you've got a character that's got certain, yeah, strengths and weaknesses, and then what you've got to do is as you get go to the shop and find items or, like, find free items on the battleground or go to the shop and buy items, you've got to decide what strengths and weaknesses to try to, um, to, try to crunch the numbers on. It's like, okay... This character um, has like minus a hundred percent damage if he uses anything other than melee weapons. So you've got to avoid ranged weapons and try to focus on just getting your melee damage up. And it's just stuff like that. Like each character's got their own challenge, and some characters are a lot harder than others. Some characters I breeze through in one playthrough, but it took me like a hundred and fifteen hours to get to complete every challenge in the game, um, you know, to max out the Steam achievements, which is the only game I've ever managed to do that with. Um, and um, then after that, I decided to download a mod that added uh, another whole set of characters. And now I've been going through them and I'm about 80% of the way through them, like uh, of these modded characters, which adds more items. And... Um, the other thing that makes it addictive is that you're, you're, um, you're encouraged to play with each character and get to the end with them. Each character that you make it through the game with, you unlock either another character or a new item or a new weapon that can appear in the shop. And yeah, it just keeps going like that on a continuous cycle and I, I've been addicted to it. Um, so yeah, do you guys have any input questions about that? Uh, no, I mean, I've played a few Vampire Survivor likes like on the mobile scene. Um, but <clears throat> now, yeah, I think the main thing is how you're able to see all the stats and numbers a lot more than other games. Like, uh, Binding of Isaac, it gives you no clues as to what anything does. You've just got to figure it out for yourself. It doesn't tell you yep. this item does this. You've just got to either look it up on a guide or kind of, you know, just figure it out. Um, yeah, I just enjoy the number crunching and the stacking together buffs and items that, you know, power up the build idea that you've got in mind and stuff. Sorry, I know um, that's one of the main things about uh, Binding of Isaac is that you end up having to learn how to uh, or what does what, and especially yeah. like the pills, for example, those will actually change on a yeah on a round basis. With so Isaac, it's very vague as to what things do. Um, 
I find Brotato enjoyable in that you know exactly what everything does. Yeah, it gives you the full it's stat a, rundown. Into the Gungeon, honestly. That's what oh, yeah, that is a great game as well. I love that. I, I put heaps of hours on that too. Into the Gungeon, yeah. That's, um, I know that's the only, I haven't played Into the Gungeon, but that is one that I, um, my buddy really likes. So that's, that's, that's what he, uh, he was doing. Uh, that's yeah. one of the games that he was playing quite a while, similarly, similarly to how you explain actually, uh, you playing Protato. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. The next game that I played, which is a bit obscure is, uh, Let's School. Do you want to bring up footage of that? Yep. Um, now, I was intrigued by this game because it's basically a school management simulator. And um, I, I've played this game called Let's Campus and Let's... Uh, sorry, not Let's Campus. I meant uh, Two Point Campus and Two Point Hospital. I like these games where, you know, you manage a... Uh, a hospital and then in the second one you manage a campus and um it, it was all right it had a fair, decent amount of depth to it but what i really like about this let school game is that it's got a heap of depth to it like um you know you can keep track of students as they go through their whole three years in this case they've got like three semesters um you know year one two and three and uh you basically yeah, like build build the school. Um, there's heaps of systems. Like you've got to um, worry about um, the uh, heating and the cooling, and uh, you know you've got to worry about having a sizable enough cafeteria, and um, you can and you can get your school to be extremely huge. Like I've only really gotten mine big enough to uh, to have like two sets of students going through their grades. And um, I, I think it's just a really impressive uh, game that's just recently come out about building a school, if that's what you're interested in. Uh, stupid ads. Yeah, those are always the best. <laughs> this uh, it reminds me of information. I know. With everything that they have. Well, I mean, from what I heard, YouTube's been a bit of a sink for a while now. But um, what I was going to mention was uh, this reminds me of those well, well, prison architect type games. Yeah, yeah. That, I would compare it a lot to prison art, um, architect. Um, there, there was a game called Academia something, um, which is a, a very similar premise to this. Uh, but I think this does it a bit better than a Academy, Academia, whatever I did. Um, a Academia looks like a uh, prison architect in terms of its visuals. Yeah, this one's got slightly better visuals, like, you know, very po polygonal, um, very basic, but, you know, they, they, they just get the graphics down uh, to be functional and then they put a lot of depth into the actual running of the school itself. Um, you've, got, you've got to worry about having management departments that... Um, and there's like this management department map that you bring up that you have to yeah, try to figure out which managers are going to operate which parts of the schools and stuff. 
So like this is right at the start of the game. You start off with a dilapidated building and you sell sell off the um, junk and uh, then, yeah, you sort of start the tutorial starts and teaches you, yeah, the, the tutorial will come in each time it needs to teach you about a new mechanic and, yeah, there's lots of them, eh? And you can pretty much completely customise the uh, layout. That makes sense. And add to the layout as you wish. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I could show some footage of my own school that I made. Show, show what it can end up looking like, at, you know, at about 20 hours into the game. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I could... Uh, Organize that. Some, uh, I was going to say at some point record some of your own gameplay. Yeah, well, not, I don't know, maybe take a screenshot, but no, nah, that, that'll be too much to try to do in the middle of a podcast, but yeah. Yeah, I no, I'd, uh, adding, you know, for next time, or at least for the next games you play. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like the core gameplay of managing a school and managing a prison would actually have a lot of overlap. Yep. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can have your prisoners go to classrooms and prison prison artifact, uh, prison architect, <clears throat> stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm coming up on my uh, my one hour mark, so unfortunately, I'm gonna have to step out early. Oh, you you gotta go now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to say on the rest of these, unfortunately. I mean, I've already said my piece on uh, monetization. Of course, I know yeah. the situation with Diablo Four is a little different. And, yeah, uh, I'm gonna let you take the reins with that one. Okay. I don't have a horse in that race. I, I kind of thought you might have had a fair bit to say about Diablo Four, but okay, uh, it's all right. Did, did you want to go a little longer, Cash? Um, uh, I'm kind of shakes position where I don't have too much to say on the uh, on the rest of these as well. Okay. Uh, all right then. Uh, yeah, I guess no, we'll... I should have I should have mentioned that like earlier, like when you posted it this morning or earlier. I'd be like, oh, well, well, I don't really have much to say about these, but that's all right. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I did want to get into the Diablo 4 stuff and, you know, how they're trying to charge $100 for the next expansion when their game yeah. is already shit. It's already a piece of crap and they're... <laughs> You know, they've got terrible monetization and now they're trying to charge $100 for an expansion. And um, Path of Exile continues to just be ab completely superior in every way and is still free yeah, to play. I think uh, right now with the problem with uh, Diablo, uh, the development team over there, or the uh, rather the distributor, excuse me, <coughs> uh, which is a different animal. The problem is that they've kind of got that sunken cost fallacy going on right now where they've already... Uh, you know, they, they, they tried to ship out a turd and get people to buy it and people caught wise to it because people are starting to realize, hey, pre-ordering is for suckers. And so they didn't have as many people buy the game as they thought they were going to get. And the people who did buy the game said, hey, don't buy this game. So there was even fewer people who bought it. And now they're trying to get it so the people who have already bought it to go in for another $100 to try to double the amount of money that the game has made because they're trying to get the people who did spend the money on it to just keep sinking cost into it. Yeah, they're, they're, and they're so, desperate. They're, yeah, yeah, they just made a terrible game, especially compared to all the other options like uh, Last Epoch and Path of Exile 
and uh, even Grim Dawn is better than Diablo 4. It's, yeah, kind of pathetic. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, when when I was going to get Baldur's Gate, um, at one point I was offered an opportunity to pirate it. And there, there's plenty of opportunities where, else, where it's like, oh, a free game? Why not? But with, with Baldur's Gate 3, I really wanted to monetarily reward the developers for having made a good game. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there are some games that are garbage that get pirated. Like, I I didn't play Cyberpunk 2077 for very much, but, like, the version I did get was, like, a leaked uh, pirated version of it. Um, and I really wanted to blame all the bugs on the fact that it was, like, uh, a leaked game. But it turned out, no, it was basically the actual game. I mean, mm. they've done a lot of work on it since then. <laughs> but... If I had known that the game was going to be like that at launch, then I would not have wanted to spend money on it. And what we need to do is we need to vote with our wallets to tell the industry, hey, you need to make a quality product. You need to be honest with the audience about what you're making. And if it's not ready, you need to tell people it's not ready. Yeah, and yeah. the problem is that the people who are making these decisions are the are the shareholders and the, the people in the boardroom who are so far removed from the product that all they see is numbers on a fiscal calendar mm. and they don't care. Yeah, um, and did you see the... Yeah, uh, they're, lear they're learning the hard way with stuff like this, with the Diablo 4 DLC, right. that they're going to try and push this, and it's not going to work. Yeah. And just... the only way they're going to learn is by hurting themselves. Yeah. Right, we've well, gotta... that's the game that goes for these kind of self-corrections, because it's, it's simply one of those things that, you know, until they figure out, like, oh, man, this is actually hurting our bottom line, they, they wouldn't have any recourse, really. They wouldn't have any reason to think that they would be. They'd be like, oh, we're trucking along fine, and this is all good, at least for now. I, I, like, kind of related to this, um, there's a lot of people who complain about the way that they monetize Pokemon Go. And the fact of the matter is, like, you don't have to spend a penny to play Pokemon Go. You really don't. Uh, and if you're, if you're in a rural area, that sucks, but that's not Pokemon Go's fault. And... There's people who say, like, oh, the way that they monetize it isn't good. No, the, the way that they're monetizing it isn't great, but the problem is people keep using it. People keep spending real-world money on the game, and as long as people keep doing that, they're going to keep doing it. It's like giving a homeless man a dollar. It's like if you give him a dollar, they're going to ask for another dollar. As long as people keep supporting the monetization systems that exist, regardless of the game, regardless of the system, regardless of the platform, if people support the monetization systems that exist they're going to keep on existing because they keep ma making money and so really and, and this, this it can't get up onto a soapbox and say hey you know pro uh, uh boycott this particular system yeah you can say that but if people still want to spend the money they're going to do it you know they might agree with you looking at you and in principle they might agree with you but if at the end of the day they're giving money to the system then it's going to continue to exist and the way that these things go away is by everyone collectively not using them yeah which yeah. will probably there's, never there's happen well oh, no listen there's good ways to monetize and there's bad ways to monetize yeah diablo is going to watch this thing blow up in their face oh, and, yeah. and like for, for example Pokemon, sorry for yeah. example path of exile um it's free to play um there's cosmetic only things that you can buy um the only the only possible pay to win kind of thing that they do is just stash space um, they charge for 
extra stash tabs and stash tabs that are customizable and convenient. That's the only thing that you pay money for in Path of Exile. The rest of the game is completely free. Um, so compare that to Diablo 4 putting um, actual uh, like unique aspects in the um, season pass and stuff like that. It's just absolutely disgusting. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's just we got we have to wait and see for them to realize that they're gonna pour all this effort into making this content, and they're not gonna get enough return on it. They have to, they have to they have to realize by hurting themselves by having people not spend money on it that this is not the way to do it. All right. Well, th thanks. We managed to get that talk through with. So uh, I guess I'll see you next time, Shakes. Um, all right. Thank you again for having me. All right. Thank you. And uh, so, do you have anything else you'd like to say, Cash, before we before we head off? Not too too much. I do know that Diablo Four. It was something that I had played the uh, beta of, and it was something that I enjoyed for quite some time. However, it wasn't anything that I ended up deciding that I really wanted to uh, purchase. You yeah. know, it was something that I ended up deciding like, ah. Eh, it's not exactly what I'd like to, to spend my money on at the moment. Yeah, another problem it's got is that there's a lot of garbage um, stats on items, like uh, plus percentage against close enemies, plus percentage against distant enemies, and it's just got all this garbage on it and, like, you know, certain percentage against humanoid enemies. So, you know, when you're not fighting humanoid enemies, you're not getting any advantage not getting any extra damage from your weapon and it's all just a complete waste you know it's just so badly designed yeah, right yeah there, there's this uh video yeah, i watched I sorry what were you gonna say yeah uh, I, was say, I think it kind of goes back almost to uh what shakes was saying it was it was just not a, a properly made game at the end of it yeah it, it was run by the board members i guess and uh the creative people the you know system design people they i guess they just had no say in uh yeah I, I don't know uh who the fault lies with but yeah it's a terrible game go play last epoch or path of exile instead uh last epoch's probably a bit more beginner friendly a bit more casual um, easy to understand, whereas Path of Exile, you can have uh, people that have got 5,000 hours of experience in the game and they still don't know everything. They, they still only know a fraction of the systems in it. Right, right. But you can still, you know, play it, um, you know, casually and get like to, to the end game, but at the end game it starts sort of really crushing down on you, <clears throat> getting things right. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me, Cash. Um, I, I'll see you next time. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. Good Sign later, out okay? and we'll, we'll find out what, uh, what person I've gotten to endorse the podcast this time. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Catch ya. Have a good one. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! It's Santa Claus! I love listening to the Mystery Gaming Bros Podcast. 
when I'm riding on my sleigh delivering lumps of coal to naughty children. What they don't know is that it's not coal, it's my frozen sh Game over.